our kids don't have any expectations. We place those on ourselves. What they want is to spend time with us. God tells us in Deuteronomy 6 to be talking about his commandments when we lay down, when we rise up, when we walk alongside the road. And so as we're walking down the street and we see the stars at night, it's a perfect time to talk about God, the creator. And it doesn't have to be this grand lesson. And we don't have to be seminary educated to be able to do that. We're just a little farther along in our faith journey than they are. That's a wonderful place to just start teaching them just along the way. And at Christmas time, think how natural that is. Everything we see at Christmas time speaks of Jesus. Whether the secular world realizes that or not, the lights on houses remind us he's the light of the world. There are angels around. There are candy canes, you know, with the red and white stripes. Remind us that Jesus came to shed his blood for us, that we could be made white as snow. And wrapping all that up into the shape of a shepherd's staff for our cane. A Christmas tree, you know, the evergreen tree, because he came to bring us eternal life by dying on a tree. Every single thing we see at Christmas has that meaning. From Christmas decorations to presents to songs, everything we see and do is a perfect little opportunity and snippet to share our faith with our kids. The Christmas season is fast approaching, and it's the perfect opportunity to stop and remember what really matters in the holiday season and how can we plan to make the most of it. I'm Megan Alfaro, and this is Live What Matters. Recently, I invited Kara Shelton over to my home to talk about a subject she is passionate about, that the Christmas season is one of the best opportunities to share Christ with our kids. Kara has three grown children, so those are my noisy kids you'll hear in the background. (laughs) And she is full of simple ideas for how to keep Jesus at the center of our family traditions during the holidays. One of the first places we start is we always like to give them something to do with their hands. So I would take wooden blocks and paint the nativity on it because so much of Christmas seems to be hands-off for kids. It's like, don't touch the tree, don't touch the lights, don't touch the glass, <laughs> China, you yes, know? That's so, so And I really wanted it to be a very hands-on thing for them, mm-hmm. where as we're talking about the Christmas uh, the story that's in the Bible, they can be acting it out. Kids love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fisher-Price has a little people set that they do, but you know, you can just take wooden blocks, two by fours, cut them up and do a coloring picture on each one and seal it with some Mod Podge and they have their own little nativity set, Mm. you know, and they can act it out. And how fun is that to see them, you know, setting up the baby Jesus and talking about the story and, and you can say, can you tell me what we learned last night out of the Bible, you know, and they'll get the angel block out, you know, and sometimes they'll chuck it across the room, but that's okay. We don't want to add to our already hectic lives, but we can kind of reevaluate and sub in some things that we're already doing. So if you were already reading to our kids at bedtime, sub in some great Christian books about Christ's birth. You know, there are so many fun children's books. Many churches have them in their library. There are tons of lists online. You can look on Pinterest Mm -hmm. for lists of you know, the 24 best Advent books for kids. Some of my favorites, I love The Crippled Lamb by Max Lucado. Such a sweet little book. It kind of makes me cry every single time. (laughs) The Pine Tree Parable by Liz Curtis Higgs is another Christmas book that I just love. It talks about the entire real true story of Christmas within this cute little book about a family going out to look for a Christmas tree. God Gave Us Christmas by Lisa Ton Berggren is another one. It's a little cub and her mama going out on an adventure to see how God gave them Christmas. There are a ton of great Christmas books. And like I said, you can kind of Google those online. I think Christmas music is really important. If you normally play music around your house, everything from 
Handel's Messiah to, you know, some just some great Christmas hymns. There are tons of great Christmas albums out. Get the, the kids will start to recognize that music, and that's another way of worshiping and praising, mm-hmm. kind of incorporating it in your life without actually having to spend your time doing something extra, mm-hmm. but kind of using something you normally do anyway to teach the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, when God talks about feasts in Leviticus 23, it's interesting, he goes on for 44 verses. He lays out all these feasts throughout the year. Our God kind of loves to party. He really is into celebration, but what's it about? It's celebrating and remembering his faithfulness. So we ground our celebrations and we teach our children that the faithful part of this is remembering how good and how faithful our God is. And how do we do that? We do that in scripture. That doesn't mean an hour sermon. It just means at their age, at an appropriate level, one or two or three verses, depending on their age. To be in God's Word together is a powerful concept for all believers, for our children, for our families. And using these celebrations as a point of focus for our faith, literally centering our celebration of Christmas on Christ, on His birth, is powerful. It comes back to the root of what a holiday is. It literally means holy day. But it would be super easy to go through our world, go through Christmas, go through the month of December, and never celebrate Jesus And because things are so fast and so furious in our world, I think that happens too often um, if we're not purposeful about redeeming that time. You know, we have 18 years with our kids. And as a mom that's on the other side of this, I can tell you, I understand the days are long, but the years are so short. And we have 18 Christmases with them at home, 18 birthdays, 18 Thanksgivings. And I just really want to exhort you that these times are so precious Our kids will remember these traditions, they will remember the moments we make special, and they will be important, incredibly meaningful times to them as they grow older, as they go off to college, and as they form their own homes. So grab a hold of it and and wring all the joy out of it for your family that you can. Kara told me that she has a lot of great resources for Christmas on her website including some downloadable Jesse Tree ornament coloring pages. You'll find that online at redcouchreading.com under the blog. So I don't know about you, but with my kids being so young, I feel like our Christmas traditions are still just beginning to take shape. We definitely get out the nativity set every year, which is a lot of fun. But lately, I've been feeling like it's time to be more intentional about creating traditions around which we can celebrate the birth of Jesus. Last year, I was having a conversation on this topic with Judy Carey and our producer, Katie Losey, who is also a mom of young kids. And in that conversation, Judy talked about one of the traditions her family did each year, and that's having a daily Advent service with her family. Here's Judy to share a little more. But I'd heard people talk about Advent services with your kids, and I was very intimidated because I thought, I don't know what that is. I didn't grow up doing that. Is there a way to do it? Is there a right way to do it? Is there a wrong way to do it? Mm. And people would say, well, you've got to have a pink candle for this day and some purple. And I thought, I'm doing well to find candles in this house. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have like the special yaya to do all this, but Mm. so I just got random candle holders and red candle. We did have red candles because it was Christmas and we just light it and now as soon as you (laughs) dim the lights and put on a candle, suddenly your children listen. I have never seen anything work as well as focusing our children for our Advent services. Just, it doesn't have to be like 
a special holder or special colors, but just light a candle and tell something about the Christmas story. Well, Katie and I really resonated with the idea of an Advent service, and it actually led to a creative collaboration that would result in a Christmas devotional book we created with you in mind. It's called Creation to the Cradle. We wanted an experience with our kids that was simple, geared toward young children, would only take five or ten minutes a day, and most importantly, required no prep or materials except for maybe a candle. Recently, I got together with Katie and Judy to talk more about our new book. Katie, do you want to talk a little bit about what the book is and what makes it kind of unique? So we have 24 days worth of like small devotionals for a family. And each day has several verses, actually, that sort of call out a part of the story from creation to the cradle. So we have our verses that you can either read aloud or even have your kids read if they can read. But then we have a main idea section. So it's sort of pulling together what we've learned in those verses. And then you have questions. And these questions are really aimed at younger kids. They're simple questions, but they help to bring the story from out here into somebody's life more. These are not deep questions necessarily, (laughs) but they at least help you engage with the story and think about your own life and how it fits with the story. Yeah. And one of the things that we tried to do with this book was a lot of the Christmas season is focused on the nativity scene, the stable and the manger. And obviously those are so important. That is what happened on the first Christmas. But we also in this book wanted to draw out the bigger story. And what that means is We actually bring verses from the time of creation, from the time of the fall, and go through that Mm -hmm. story of, okay, now we're separated from God because of sin. But then we go through the Old Testament has so many stories of the prophets that they're talking about someone who's going to come. So we spend several days going through those prophecies Mm -hmm. and talking about Mm -hmm. expectations. And so we ask really practical questions to the little kids like, Mm -hmm. have you ever expected someone to come? What did you do to get ready? You know, so those are some of the really practical questions that we use to engage the kids that are Mm -hmm easy to answer, but you would be surprised. I was amazed last year just hearing my four-year-old at the time answering some of these questions and some of the insights that they had Mm -hmm. that I had never seen. It's kind of revealing. They actually understand more than we think they do. Yeah. They really do. And the Christmas story itself, if you can go back to creation and understand, wait a minute, Jesus was there. Whoa. And all of this, why do we need a Savior? The Savior is born. Well, what's a Savior? Mm -hmm. And what do we need a Savior for? For? What are we being saved from? I, I mean, what is all this about? I mean, it's nice to have a baby born, but what is going on here? The whole mystery, it's like following clues. My kids love scavenger hunts. Mm. And, you know, you write these little clues and you put it and then they find that and then they get the next clue and they go to the next place. Total fun. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, that was something we did all the time. Even when we were in snowbound, we could do it in the house. But scavenger hunts, I feel like it's a scavenger hunt following all the clues, the breadcrumbs that lead right to the manger. is It's wild when you start looking at the Bible and seeing all the clues. And then you follow it all. And that makes the Christmas story wildly exciting because it is saturated with drama. KT, I know you have a background in spiritual formation. And I'd love to hear a little more about how did that influence you when you were writing this book? Like I said before, I really wanted the kids to engage in the story because I feel like when you keep it at an arm's distance and it's just 
a story that you know, but it's only for one time of year, and then you sort of never think about it again. It's not engaging with your heart. But once you do engage with your heart, there's this opportunity for transformation. Mm. For adults, I wanted this to be a time of slow down. Mm. And, you know, even if it does only take five minutes, that is five minutes of purposeful slow down that we might not have had otherwise. That is so true. You know? Yeah. Um, and we may know this story already. I mean, we may not. Some some may not know this whole story, but you may already know the story. Um, so you're not necessarily learning anything new, but to rehearse and to remember the story yes. is a really big deal. And mm. you have this space where the Holy Spirit can come in and get your wow. attention, mm. you know. And um, I just, I think that's profound in especially a season of the year where we're going too fast. Christmas can become a really busy season. Like it's it's so much fun. Like I love going places and having parties and the gifts, you know, it's so much fun, but it can quickly become just overwhelming. Um, so Judy, I was wondering if maybe you can help us think about what is one thing we can focus on during this time of year when we start to feel like crazy ladies? Uh, we are crazy ladies. <laughs> we are feeling like it. We kind of are. <laughs> because there's a lot. We have our regular schedules, and then we have this superimposed over it. And we have expectations of ourselves. Mm. And then your mother-in-law has expectations, and your kids have different. It comes from all over, and it, it can be overwhelming. And so I think one thing that I would encourage young moms to do and older grandmothers is to plan ahead. Start anticipating it early. Mm. In October, just start thinking about it. November, by Thanksgiving, plan ahead, but be totally flexible. If you get to a point, for example, if you were having an evening time together with your family and doing lighting a candle, reading the Christmas story, whatever you're doing and having an Advent service, what happens on those nights when it's just out of control and you can't do it? Just be flexible. <laughs> Keep on going. Take a step the next day. Don't worry about catching up necessarily. Just pick up and keep going. Take mm. the next step. Don't be hard on yourself. But um, I think it's 2 Timothy 4 where he says, be ready in season and out of season to patiently instruct. We have to be ready in season and out of season. And frankly, when you're so busy, it's out of season for mm. me. I'm I'm busy. You're cooking that cake that, you know, has to be done. You've got to get the Christmas letter written. You've got, oh, the kids need to look good in the Christmas picture, and they just <laughs> got a black eye. You know, <laughs> you know, all these yep. things that you're trying to make perfect, and it's just not working out. Yeah. Um, to stop and realize, wait a minute, I feel out of season right now. Like, this is not a good time for me for you to, to be talking about Jesus because I'm I'm busy in the kitchen. But mm. stop and realize what the most important thing is, mm. what really matters. And Jesus, in Deuteronomy, he quotes from Deuteronomy a lot. And in Deuteronomy, he says, there are two prerequisites for teaching your children. And the first one is, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your heart and soul and might. And I think the key is really focusing on our walk with the Lord. If we've got that right, the other stuff's going to take care of itself yeah. if we're planned ahead. Then he says, God's word shall be on your heart. Those two things. You love the Lord and have his word on your heart. In Deuteronomy 6, he says that. So I need God's word in my heart. I need to be so saturated with Jesus, so filled with him, myself, that he just splashes on everybody around me during Christmas. And even when things get crazy, you're just splashing more. But I need to be sure that my walk with him... My relationship with him is completely filled up. 
That doesn't mean I have an hour of power in the Word every day necessarily because we might not have that option. But our hearts are tuned to Him. And I think that's the key. Remember that the heart of Christmas is love. It's the gospel. So we should be ready to share the gospel at the drop of a hat mm-hmm. at Christmas with, yeah. with any, any moving target. <laughs> <laughs> because everything at Christmas, this is the primo opportunity to share Christ mm. with your neighbors, with your children. Mm. This is a primo chance for your children to, to think about the Lord in their lives. It's just an unsurpassed opportunity that's built in so that we can understand the heart of Christmas is the gospel message. However you choose to celebrate Christmas with your family, I hope that you're able to really take advantage of the unique opportunities that Christmas brings to communicate the immense love that God has for each one of us. Both Kara and Judy shared how they had children who came to Jesus during the holidays. What a sweet opportunity! And if you think that the book Creation to the Cradle would be a helpful resource for your family, I hope you'll let us know so we can get you a copy. Visit livewhatmatters.org or search for Creation to the Cradle by Katie Losey, Judy Gary, and Megan Alfaro on Amazon. To close our time together, I wanted to leave you with a poem that Judy Gary composed when her children were young. She said she wrote it as a way to remember what was going on that busy year and how God's faithfulness shone through even in the chaos. The snow is now falling. Let's put on your boots. And where are your scarves and mittens for school? Did you get your homework and lunch for today? God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. The house is a zoo. Let's pick up the place and down the front hall plow a pathway for space. To tackle that closet is nothing but folly. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. We're running late. Pile into the van with loud carols singing and clapping of hands. Enthusiasm's great, but quieter, okay? The first Noel the angels did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay. The stores are so crowded, it's wall to wall with Santas and presents and colors and all, and those behind schedule race down the mall when Mary birthed Jesus was in a cow stall. Driving through hogbacks and over the hill, there's our house and golden, so peaceful and still. The stars seem so vivid as they fill up the sky. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. I drive up to the house and quietly park. Light streams through the window out into the dark. The frolic and dancing and laughing inside such a sight. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Let's clear off the dishes, get ready for bed. Did you practice piano as the guinea pig fed? Address cards and put zip codes on some. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. At seven, we stop, though the household is wild, to read about Jesus, the Christmas child. We light Advent candles, we pray and sing and smile. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. With hugs and kisses, we tuck each child in. We sit and recount all our blessings from him. His love overwhelms us as Christmas is nearing. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. I've been on the go since early this morning. God has interjected thoughts of himself without warning. My quiet praise this Christmas he wants me to bring. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. 
Today's podcast was produced by Katie Losey, Carlos Alfaro, and myself. I'm Megan Alfaro. Merry Christmas. And until next time, live what matters.